If you are saving for a down payment to buy a home, you may be able to drop your savings goal from 20% to less than 5%. Ameris Bank offers a wide variety of loan solutions with low and no down payment options. With a quick consultation, the man, the myth, Stuart Wingo, loan officer at Ameris Bank, can help you determine which option best fits your financial needs and gets you into your dream home. If you're looking for a variety of products, competitive rates, and exceptional service, call Stuart Wingo at 803-319-1777. You can also check him out online, amerisbank.com slash Stuart Wingo. Save thousands of dollars today by simply calling Stuart Wingo at 803-319-1777. You'll be glad that you did. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. And welcome, everybody, to another installment of J.C. and Morgan, number 157, if you're scoring at home. He is J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I am Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. And as we promised, uh, the season, there is no off-season for us here on the podcast. We keep going throughout the off-season, which continues to be more and more entertaining and newsworthy. Uh, and we haven't even touched on what's going to go down today with the Auburn uh, situation, that's a whole segment in itself. But uh, we, we're getting very guest-heavy this time of year, and we're always privileged to have uh, one of the best names in, in college sports, I would say football and basketball, uh, and a guy that always value his opinions, uh, Tim Brando, Timmy B. And the last time we had, had you on, Tim, it was, it was during that malaise of the off-season leading into 2020 during covid and you were one of the few uh, signature voices that um, were outspoken that we should, could, and would have a season. Uh, many people were on the opposite side of that. They don't talk about it much anymore, but they were. Uh, yeah. And thankfully it got done. So we got somewhat brighter and, and more positive subjects to talk about. With all that being said, how are you, sir? Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks, Mike and JC. Great to be with both of you again. And, uh, yeah, you caught me in uh, coming home for laundry. I, I'm in today. <laughs> at the time of this taping, I just finished uh, two games in the Big East, flew home. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving uh, uh, tomorrow, which is Friday, as we're taping now, and headed to Michigan State for the uh, Indiana uh, nice. Hoosiers and the Spartans on Saturday. And uh, it's, you know, I'm, it's, I'm, it's a frenetic finish between – this part of February all the way through March and, and it'll end for me at the Big East tournament. And uh, then I can bring the golf clubs out. There you and go. You just, yeah. And start seeing the lefty swing from time to time. Absolutely. It, it's such a great time of year. And, you know, we predominantly talk about football on this podcast, but obviously mm-hmm. you and I are, are heavily entrenched. You know, two games a week is typically the schedule for, for guys like us. And uh, when February hits, you really start feeling like, okay, <laughs> not that not much longer before March Madness is here and these games take yeah. on a, a different significance. But I, I want to focus on football. And, and ordinarily, you know, when we have a guest like you on, I, I've got all these questions kind of in my head. I never go uh, straight from a script because I think that it means you're not truly listening to the answers. Uh, so here's what I'm going to do differently with you this time, because we haven't talked in a while. And I know you've got a lot of thoughts on a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Give me everything that is currently bothering you in college 
football. I'm serious. I, uh, you're I mean, setting me up for the longest answer <laughs> in podcast history. You you Brando can prioritize it. I know. Yeah. I know. We only but got 30 minutes. Tim Brando is about to <laughs> just, just get the shovel out and throw the dirt. Oh, ready, God. And go, Timmy B. All right. Well, let's start with this. Conference commissioners, do me a favor. Do not, I repeat, do not open your statement ever again when discussing name, image, and likeness with we need congressional help. <laughs> the hell you need congressional help. <laughs> Congress, Congress has a, has a, has a worse Q rating than, than Mark Emmert, for God's sakes. <laughs> and what the hell did he do for name, image, and likeness other than kick the can to the curb for seven I said seven stinking years, okay? And so whether, Kliav, so whether it's Klyavkov or Bowlesby or Sankey, you name the commissioner, okay? Name them. If they use that term in the opening stanza of whatever they're going to say about NIL, then they're not leading. They're not doing their jobs. It's up to them, okay? It's pretty clear when the decentralization of the NCAA took place that Mark Emmert was just happy to get his new contract for about $4 million per and only have to worry about putting together one college basketball tournament to make the money that everybody makes. Mm-hmm. And they'll continue to make that money for 2032. Were it not for that men's basketball tournament, sorry, sorry to those that may be offended, but the women's basketball tournament does not make the money that the men's NCAA tournament makes to keep all those people in their posh offices in Indianapolis, okay? And we're going to have that till 2032. That's all they have to do. That's Mm -hmm. it. They're funding all the non-revenue-producing championships out of that tournament and all the money that's going into their deep pockets from that tournament. So it's clearly up to the not just the the Power Five, but the other conferences as well. You know, I'll throw a Resco and, and, and everybody else uh, at the G5 level into this too. Craig Thompson's one of the smartest men in college football. He was one of the four that was involved in the expansion conversation that was recommended uh, for 12 teams that uh, Greg Sankey was part of, as well as Bob Bowlesby and Jack Swarbrick. And Craig's been with the Mountain West for a long time, past tournament selection committee chair of the NCAA men's tournament. Uh, these are smart guys, well-intended, uh, intelligent love the college athletics that they've been a part of for like me, five, six decades. I've known them that long. Most of them. All right. I don't know Klyovkov very well. I know Warren a little, but the other three, I know very well, very well. I've known Jim Phillips for a long, long time uh, and was a tremendous AD at at, uh, Northwestern for many, many years. Most people thought he was going to get the big 10 job uh, before he opted for the ACC. So I know these guys. But I'm just going to, I'm telling you, the pilot light needs to be put near the derriere and you need to get off of it and do something uh, because it's up to you. You're in control. It's your gig now to figure out NIL. And we've got to have something done both short-term and long-term with this because it's out of control to the point where the ship has sailed. We're not going to get it back into the docks. So we got to begin regulating even after some already have some deals that will be married into whatever regulations you want to put in. Okay, You're not going to be able to stop 
what's already been done. But um, if you need help from some some lawyers, lawyer up. Do what you need to do. But uh, that's got to be figured out. Otherwise, college athletics as we know it will not be the same in a handful of years. Okay? And there are a lot of people my age and older that are already pissed off. And those are the people that are the donors that are sending all that big, big money to their schools. And they want to know what's going to happen with that money. Um, and I tell them all the time, Mike, listen, okay, calm down. It's going to be all right. But if you don't think players have rights to these things, then you're out of your mind. They, they, they've had the rights for many, many years and have been stomped on. And uh, they need to get it. But it can't be out of control. And, and it can't be something that really looks too obvious as pay for play. And a lot of the stuff does. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of these deals that we're looking at now look that way. So that's the, that's the first thing that jumps out at me. And uh, I guess the other thing that is, is concerning to me is from a, um, from a media standpoint, and I'm, as you know, as much as I love what I do and I, I have great relationships with my counterparts, uh, whether it's you or anyone else that works at ESPN or at CBS where I once worked. <laughs> Listen, I, I learned a long time ago not to burn bridges and, uh, or napalm them. You know, the <laughs> I left that to Keith Olbermann. Uh, <laughs> the old line, he doesn't burn bridges, he napalms them. Yeah. Uh, but, but the truth is we have got to be I think as a, a group, collectively, uh, we've got to point out what's wrong when we see what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to work at a place that allows me to, to say what I, what I think. Uh, they don't mute me in any way. And I have been involved in intercollegiate athletics uh, since 1979. Uh, and I've covered the SEC since 1982 uh, actually 80, 81, 82. So somewhere in there, it's over 40 plus years. And, um, you know, I, I, the, the, the heartbeat, the pulse of college athletics is still in the South and still in the Midwest. The flyover States are the most passionate when it comes to college athletics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you're in it, I'm in it and, and we love it. But when we see something that's wrong, I think it's incumbent upon us to say that hey, this is we got, this is wrong. We got to fix this. I, I I know there are times when it may be unpopular. There may be times when uh, you know your your bat phone rings and it's someone that wears a suit and and they're just telling you to be a little more measured with your statements. We all get those calls, but I still believe that we have to be the sounding. We, we we've got to bring up what what everybody else sees. Uh, because they're going to think that we're just lap dogs uh, taking our money and not worrying about what's going on that's, that's wrong, that needs to be fixed. So, you know, as you get a little bit older, and uh, I'll be 66 at the end of this month, uh, when you see things that are wrong, you, you speak up more quickly. Right. And hopefully more eloquently and with less emotion. Uh, when I was young, there were times when I got myself into trouble uh, and even after I got a little older, I got myself into a little bit of trouble. But I think the reason I've survived, Mike, and been able to to work at four different networks, uh, the only one I haven't worked at is, is NBC, and uh, and they wanted to hire me for the Olympics in 88, and uh, uh, my bosses at ESPN wouldn't let me go to, mm-hmm. to Calgary. 
but I, um, and sold, it was actually sold now that I think about it, but, uh, that's the one thing probably I didn't get to do that. I thought I would in my career, but, um, I'm fine without it and I enjoy what I do domestically. And, uh, but, but I think the reason why I've been able to have the staying power that I have is I think people know that even if I misspeak or if I stumble along the way, uh, my criticism is from a prism of love, you know, that I deeply care about uh, the short-term and long-term success of the sport. I want college football to be as big as it can be. Mm -hmm. And uh, too much of what's been going on has been to regress and not advance and not progress. The only sport that looks more Neanderthal than college football is Major League Baseball. And look, look at the mess they're in again. Yeah, they get into a mess about every five years, you know, and and they're in a big, big mess right now. Uh, college football should look at that and say, you know, we don't want to be compared to them, you know. I I, I think that, uh, and you've been outspoken about that. And by the way, that was great because the, again, the passion comes through. And I think uh, college football fans are might be on the on the spectrum the most passionate of all. And with that, you're, you're going to disagree on things. That's, that's sure. healthy discourse. That's healthy debate. One <clears> of the things that's always been heavily debated is, is the, the postseason. And we went from people trying to convince you that the BCS was a good way. By the way, Georgia wouldn't have even been in the BCS championship game this year if we actually if we yeah. played in that Stone Age uh, format. So uh, we, get to, we, we get to a four-team playoff, and, and you've heard the term expansionist, and, and, and a lot of us do want to see it expand. It looked like... I never thought 12 was going to be the number, and I didn't know if I would want any more than eight. And then I actually saw what they came up with with the, the four people you mentioned, including Greg Sankey. And I was like, wow, this is actually pretty brilliant. Yeah. I, I, I never thought I'd be a 12-team guy. You've turned me into a 12-team guy. Let's, let's yeah. do this. And then all of a sudden, Oklahoma and Texas get admitted. Some people are really uh, chapped about that. And it's like, well, let's go ahead and just and, and, and take the wheels off. I, I can't help. You mentioned Jim Phillips. And, and I've met Jim doing a couple games in the ACC this year. Class act, as you mentioned, terrific job at Northwestern. Probably should have been the Big Ten uh, commissioner before he got the ACC job. But I'm looking at some of the quotes as to – why he decided to not vote and they needed a unanimous vote. And it's, well, uh, we have health and safety questions for one reason. Mm -hmm. uh, George, George Klyovkov uh, chimes in and he says, you know, we need a full review of the college football calendar and, and rule book. We shouldn't let expansion get in front of that work. And I'm just <laughs> saying to myself, like you had a golden opportunity yeah. to, to go ahead and push forward on this. And, and I can't imagine like, you have to understand this if you're not an SEC school. <laughs> the SEC is going to have the upper hand no matter what number you yeah. come up with. Four, right. eight, 12, 16, no matter what. So yeah. if you're the ACC and you just, you just got shut out of the playoff, the Pac-12 has barely been in the playoff. The Big 12 is sometimes in, sometimes not. Like, Why would you not want to vote for this thing to expand? One word and one word only. Well, actually, it's possibly two. Um, smokescreen. That's all it is. I mean, the elephant in the room is the reality that they knew once the expansion had taken place with OU and, and I say expansion, I should mean the realignment mm -hmm. of Oklahoma and Texas was, uh, was a done deal. The brakes were put on immediately. And you know, I'm not going to get into the whole 
Sankey, uh, what he said versus what Bowlesby said. But I'm here to tell you, Mike, in the history of sports television uh, and in its relationship with uh, commissioners of conferences, never has something like that happened where a, a league commissioner goes public with a cease and desist letter to the executives of a network, all right? Whether it had been ESPN or Fox or CBS or NBC, that's never happened, okay? So Bowlesby was white hot. I mean, hot. And that, along with the relationships that each one of these guys have, and they'll all tell you how collegial they are publicly, right? Mm-hmm. Even during COVID, when we were last together, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's we've really cooperated in ways we never imagined. We're all sharing information with one another. And uh, gosh, I don't know that I've ever seen as much kindred spirit among my colleagues. Remember all that? Oh, yeah. And they couldn't they couldn't decide on when to start their seasons. Any of them. They, you know, we're just going to play conference games. Well, we're not. We're going to play a few non-conference. Uh, Bonesby says I'm starting in September, you know, and, and uh, the ACC is hoping that they'll get 10 in one one non-conference so they can get the SEC and the ACC rivalries played. Right. And Sankey says the hell with that. We're just playing league. Game. I mean, they couldn't agree on that. OK, so there's a history of a lot of smoke screens coming from the, the mouths of the commissioners about how happy we are, how we love to get together. We share information and then they don't ever agree on a damn thing. All right. So from a business point of view, this is what this is all about. Mike, it's television. All right. They don't believe they being, I think the, the, the commissioners that they will find solid footing. All right. To, to create a 12 team playoff expansion until this current contract ends. Okay, they just believe as they look at their calendars, you know, the feelings have been hurt here. Uh, we were working together on this. And whether what Bowlesby's saying is true or what Sankey's saying is true, these four guys were together, helped put together this, this idea of, of 12 teams. And, and yet, you know, Bob didn't know about what was about to happen with Sankey until it happened at the SEC media days. And it was announced that Oklahoma and Texas were going into the league. So, but, but yet you look at them now and when they come out of the conversations uh, in Indianapolis, right? The last time they all got together was in Indianapolis. It was Bowlesby and Sankey that were whistling the same tunes. They're the ones that are saying, can we just get on with this? Let's go to 12. And the others are, are, are saying, no, Phillips at, at the playing really the show pony of those that saying, no, we're not ready to do this. And his league is the most vulnerable financially. The ACC, even though it has a network, okay, and God bless him, I, I, I thought a lot of the past commissioner there. I, I did a ton, as you know, of ACC basketball games and, and ACC tournaments. Um, but the reality is to get an, a cable network, which was all the, the presidents of these universities wanted a cable network so badly that they would accept less money for their football rights. And, you know, ESPN wisely made a hell of a deal for themselves, you know, and the the ACC teams are not getting, they're not getting as much as big 12 teams. Big 12 has a better TV contract than the ACC, even though the ACC has a cable network and the big 12 doesn't. So 
this is all financial. It's all television. And, and I really believe that to keep uh, the straight face that the commissioners want to keep, that everything's still collegial, we're fine. We're just taking a look back. We've got a, we're going to put a committee on this, a committee on that. We need to look at health and safety concerns. We need to take a look at uh, all these other things that they can throw out there and, uh, and feel like, you know, these next three years we'll just zoom by and then we'll get a new TV deal done. And when we get the new TV deal done, we'll have 12 teams in. I think that's what it's going to be. We won't have 12 teams until 2026. They just don't want to say that right now. Right. And they don't want to say that, but that's what it is. Yeah. That is what it is. And, and look, uh, <laughs> if, if it is two networks that are part of it, I do think that would be great for college football to have more than one network involved. All right. But all due respect, if, if ESPN gets the whole thing, good for them. And right now it, it's in their best interests. It's in their best interest to move this thing along while they have, the refusal rights in there, you know, they have the right to move on this while they're the current rights holder. So it would be in their best interest from a, um, a business point of view to try to move it along. Uh, but if they're steadfast in saying, you know, we're just not ready to do this yet, then it's pretty clear to me that uh, the conferences are saying, no, we're, we're, uh, we're okay with what we've got. And then we'll, uh, we'll put that thing out for bid and see where we can go which is another way of saying we feel like we can get a hell of a lot more money if we have two entities rather than one. I just think yeah. that's what's, I think that's what uh, is going on. Um, and, and I'll, I'll just stick to that. And, and I don't know who's going to get it. And I'll admit readily that, yeah, I work at Fox and if they got a part of it, I would be happy, but I'm not sure who the hell knows who's going to get it. I mean, right. this is all about money. It's, mm. you know, it's out of, it's out of commentators control. Trust mm. me. Apple, <laughs> Apple and yeah. Amazon could end up with part of it. I mean, to be honest, these days with the streaming, Apple could get involved and, and write a check like that. The, 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 thing with, the thing with streaming with college athletics, though, uh, uh, JC, is what we have, they, they are going after apparently sports that last for six, seven, eight, nine months of the year. Like yeah. going up Major League and, Baseball. Yeah. yeah. College athletics uh, and football in particular is too short a year, I think. But they might get involved. I mean, if the, I Amazon, thing, if the Amazon thing turns out to be a really big success for the NFL, the Thursday night thing, yeah. then I think college will be in play. Yeah. Right? I think that's an excellent point. But hmm. right now, uh, if you follow Sports Business Journal, I'm sure. a big John Oran fan. Mm -hmm. uh, John is always on top of things. He and uh, I used to have John on weekly when I did my radio show. He and uh, Abe Madcor, his boss. And, you know, Sporting News, which which distributed my show for years, uh, they actually got into the radio business and bought one-on-one -on -one sports network. And that's that's who did my I did my radio deal with. And um, I got to know all those guys at SBJ pretty well. They know what they're doing. And I, sure. I don't know of anyone that's any better at covering the business of sports television than John Oran. No, there's nobody. And yeah, and I, don't, I don't think, I think there's always going to be a need to have it on television. Um, yeah. I just think those guys, and you're right about the, the Amazon NFL thing kind of being a, uh, a test case. I just, yeah, I know yeah. those folks have money and uh, I know to, to get into the space, uh, 
you know, they're probably going to be willing at some point to pony up. I don't think like, like you, like, you, like you're right. I don't, I don't think they're going to have the rights to it. I think that's going right. to, but right. I, I think there could be a component there to sweeten sure the pot could. for, uh, well, for the contract. Well, go back, go back, uh, uh, fellas to, uh, when the NCAA men's basketball tournament was up for bid. Yeah. Uh, you remember, uh, Mike Lenny DeLuca, who for years worked at CBS had gone over in, into the PR offices at ESPN. He was working with uh, my friends, uh, Chris LaPlaca and Mike Soltis and all those guys. And uh, <laughs> Lenny just made a pronouncement. We will have the NCAA tournament. I don't know if you remember that, but he did. <laughs> Lenny, Lenny was um, with all the bravado, said we'll have it. Well, what wound up happening was a first-time ever venture with two competing mega corporations. Uh, and frankly, uh, the NCAA men's basketball tournament now – financially is more the responsibility of Turner sports than it is CBS. They pay 80% of the freight. Okay. For the rights. And they've got it locked up until 32. Really. That was the only way financially CBS could have held on to the NCAA tournament because network television over the air, uh, television networks, we don't have the revenue streams that either cable or streaming have. You know, where you get advertising revenue as well as subscription revenue. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I, I got to tell you, the year that I was working the tournament back then in 2010, when uh, that began, that TBS, CBS thing began, and it was incredible the difference that it made. We had twice as many videotape machines. We had mm -hmm. super slow-mo everywhere. We didn't have to worry about our games just going to certain regions and mm -hmm. fans coming in and out. Every game was going to be televised on its own on a separate channel owned by Time Warner at the time. Okay. So you were either on TNT, True TV, TBS, or CBS. Well, that was that was just amazing to see that all happen. Well, if that doesn't happen, fellas, ESPN would have gotten the tournament. Right. All right. They and I think DeLuca didn't realize I, I, probably more people in the business never thought that two networks could collaborate in such a manner on a collegiate event. But if you look at the way the NFL runs itself, and that's what college football leaders need to do. They need to look at what the NFL has done and how they have gotten competing networks to cross promote their sport, that it's become one that's going to have over a hundred million people watching the Super Bowl. 50 million watching the AFC and the NFC championships. And during the middle of those games, you're hearing Al Michaels promote Joe Buck's game. Joe Buck promote uh, uh, the game that's going to be on ESPN. Uh, you know, it's, it's that kind of cross promotion and having multiple networks, okay, with something to gain with your product is how you popularize your sport with America. Mm -hmm. Because people that watch... Uh, <laughs> Uh, ESPN or watch Fox Sports One. They got they're they're, they're sports junkies. They, they, those are sports junkies. Okay, that's that's cable sports television. All right, but when you start talking about ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, okay, we're talking major networks, and they're all promoting something on each other's networks. That's incredible. Doesn't happen in college athletics, and and we need more of that. I, I think that. Um, the more we all work together, the, the better we can make it for all of college athletics. I really believe that.
I still don't know where the hell True TV is on the dot. I run into that question every year. I remember kidding Jim Nance about that one time. He's like, Mike, for the life of me, I don't know why it's not on CBS Sports Network. I mean, you have a sports network, and you're putting games on True TV, which yeah. your average college basketball fan doesn't watch all year long. Uh, right. If the True TV executive producer is listening, send your hate mail. No, no I think what they were doing, what, what they were doing was uh, – and listen, I, my radio show was on CBS Sports Network, as you know, for a couple of years. And yeah. I'm all casted. Uh, CBS, for whatever reason, I think they got that cable network basically to tell the NFL, we're here to put whatever you'd like for us to put mm-hmm. of the NFL. I don't think they created it for that, not for college athletics. They right. actually, that, that that network was originally college sports TV. CS TV. I remember. TV. Yeah. And, uh, and it and and that was put together by Bavakwa and the guys that are in NBC that were running the Classic Channel for mm-hmm. many many years. Right. And it evolved into. And I remember because I was doing my show, uh, and it was basically let's seventy five percent of my show was college. Right. Twenty five percent I was talking about daily events and other sports, and you know I'd get into the NFL a little bit. Uh, but when I left. Um, when I left uh, Sporting News, Sporting News decided to get out of the radio business. Sirius XM College picked up my show. And I, I, the bosses at CBS were worried that I was just going to talk, okay, I'm gonna, I've got to go nonstop college. And I told them, no, it's the Tim Brando show. This one's different. I'll still be able to talk about, oh, okay, well, that's good. We're, we're happy to hear that. It's, it's amazing how these places evolve. But uh, the people at Time Warner at that time and uh, the head of Turner, and they, they just had another change because uh, they fired um, uh, the head of CNN, Zucker, and um, mm-hmm. he's also head of uh, Turner Sports. So they've got new leadership there uh, coming in. But, you know, I think they felt like this was their way of the tournament was going to broaden their footprint into sports period for all of Turner. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they've done a really good job of that. Yeah. And, uh you know, bottom line, bottom line, there are a lot more viewers to the NCAA men's basketball tournament that are casual fans, all right, that don't really follow college athletics, Mike, like you and I do. Right. And that's what drives the numbers up. That's, that's why the, the beauty. Yeah. That's what the tournament, that's why the tournament does what it does. And so when I talk to fans and we say it's, it's about expanding to 12 teams and to get all corners of our geography involved in the college football postseason, Hardcore SEC fans are like, well, we just go have more blowouts. And I'm like, well, so there's more games. There's more volume. There's more interest. And, and, and fans across the country are watching mm-hmm. that would otherwise maybe not watch. That's See, growing, I, I, growing the sport. That's, no, that's I, I agree. I agree. And look, this is unscientific on my end. Um, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and by the way, uh, what I loved about your show when it was on it, it, it was majority college sports. Now you have Paul Feinbaum, and that's it. I mean, I, I don't know how many shows can talk about LeBron James yeah. for yeah. for an hour on it, but uh, th- that's what that's what college fans are missing. And I've heard you make yeah. that point, and it's a yeah. valid one. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Think about this, Mike. How much programming in February, in January, and February is college basketball on linear cable television? Oh, it, it's really? a ton. It's a ton. Yeah. It's a vo- we're a volume dealer. All Absolutely. Right? All right. And no matter how great that game between Purdue and Illinois was, right? Mm-hmm. Auburn and Arkansas are playing at the same time. Right. <laughs> I know, yeah. You know, and yep. so the ratings aren't good, 
because the market, the, the, every everybody's split up regionally doing games right on every network every night of the week. Well, right. but if you took all the numbers from all those games, cobbled them together, you'd see a lot of people watching college basketball. The notion that college basketball's regular season is of no consequence is just a myth. I agree. Perpetuated by those that are too damn lazy to cover the sport. And, well, that's it. That that's the, I mean, that's like, what it is. You know, no. when I hosted when I hosted a sports talk show, uh, I didn't know a thing about hockey. I still don't. But I was honest about it. I said yeah. I'm not going to not talk about the NHL playoffs because I think it's purely irrelevant to everybody listening. I'm going to be right. honest with you. I don't know enough about to do it about to do it. And so many people hosting shows don't know anything about college basketball. So they just think they think it's a safe play to say, well, it's a regular season. So nobody cares. Wake me right. up when it's March. No, people do right. care. If you, yeah. if you watch that Auburn Arkansas game, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And, and there were several people that watched it. I don't know what the numbers are in the top of my head, but mm. I know it. I know SEC fans now love basketball. Big Ten right. fans yeah, yeah, have uh, always I, loved basketball. I, I get every time there's a game like that, and it happened this week, somebody on Twitter, somebody up in the Ozarks, pulls out the YouTube of Cliff Ellis's team, which I think was number two in 1994 when they went into, I think they'd only lost one or two games. They weren't number one. I think they were two. Uh, that team that went to the Sweet 16 for Cliff. Oh, you're talking about the 99, 99 team, the, the, the Chris Porter team. team. Yeah. yeah, Chris yeah. Porter, one seed. Yeah, the 99 team. So it was 99, not 94. Um, and I did the game with Joe Dean Jr., and it was just off the charts good and uh, an incredible game. And I saw that. They'll put, they'll put the YouTube out. Like, remember yeah, those? Brandon? Yeah, and, uh, my, my man Pat summer. Bradley went off in that game, hit a bunch yeah. of threes. So I was watching yeah, your yeah. call of that just the other day, as a matter yeah. of fact. Yeah, it's just uh, – um, I, I, I get goosebumps when I see those things pop yeah, up. Yeah, it's awesome. I really do. And, and, but it, it, again, speaks to um, – it speaks to the relevance – that a lot of fans put on college basketball's regular season. And yet the same networks that are carrying all this college basketball in prime time have these embrace debate shows that are just talking about the, the most trivial stuff and easy. It's like, it's like debating the Pete Rose in the hall of fame act again. How many more times do we need to hear about that crap? I mean, right. it blows me away. And, and, and much of our, our, our print media is writing about these commentators on these shows that are just, for me, not giving me any substantive content at all. Mm-hmm. And the audience, check out the numbers, okay? These shows, whether they're, whether they're on FS1, all right, <laughs> for the company I work for, mm-hmm. or at, at ESPN, they're not even getting a one rating. They're getting like a, on a good day, it's like 0.8. You know, 750,000 people. Mm. That's, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, I think you could go back and put uh, uh, a Denise Austin, uh, you know, aerobic workout <laughs> aerobic on video. back in the 80s. I think a lot of men would support probably, that. I think there'd be a lot of interest in that. Yeah. Bring those leotards back out. I think they would work. Was it, was it Kiana? Was she the other one who did a show back then? And then there was a guy, remember Gia? Oh, the guy with the black curly hair. Yeah. 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 He was he was a monster. He was a maniac. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you were if you were working at ESPN in those days, uh and I was, trust me, you look up at the monitors and you're like, wow, just look yeah. at all that. Yeah. That's that that's where TV was back then, especially when yeah. you didn't have the rights to half the things you do now. I, I know we're on limited time. I just want to circle back one more time to football. Yeah. 
And, and first off, Bob Bowlesby knows this as, as well as anybody. If if Georgia and Alabama came knocking on his door and said, hey, we want to join the Big 12, he would say, right. well, what time you want to do it? So like, right. that, that, right. there's a lot of hypocrisy in the air about that. Greg Sankey Oof. did what every conference commissioner would have done in sure. that situation. And and now move forward, and I'm with you. I, I think we're now, this this latest blow, we're four years of status quo before yeah. they open the books back up to, to, to flip right. it. And then, and then I think we do get our 12. But in the meantime, with everything else we were talking about, which NIL, which could also be, say, in some ways, is pay for play is among us. Mm-hmm. Uh, transfer portal, which in some ways people could say free agency is among us. It all depends mm-hmm. on what you know nomenclature you want to use. Yeah. You have been on record for years talking about we don't have a czar in college football. And, and, right. and I don't see us getting one anytime soon. Like, I agree with the, the premise, but I just yeah. don't see I don't see it happening. So you've got Greg Sankey. I, I mean, he kind of emerged as the de facto guy in my eyes during the whole COVID situation when you had mm-hmm. two of the five conference commissioners already waving the white flag on a season. So when he gets together now with Bob Bowles, I mean, it looks like, as you mentioned, everything's kosher again. The big I, I think they're on, I think they're in pretty much lockstep now about okay. where they need to go with the big picture. I, I do. I, so, think, I think they're well past the 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 Oklahoma Texas thing. I think. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. I do. I agree. So, so what do you think will be the next play to get some of these things rectified? Because it, it, this is. This is cataclysmic the way the sport is changing right yeah. before our eyes. Yeah. And it's really hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube. So what is their next move? Well, I think it's imperative to see which ones uh, right now it's pretty clear that Bowlesby and Sankey, the ranking, you know, uh veterans of commissionership, all right, mm-hmm. uh, see things similarly. Uh Warren, Klyavkov, and Phillips, in my view, are trying uh, to, to, to throw in what they believe as newbies mm-hmm. needs to be their footprint, all right? And so what's going what's gonna to have to happen here is the other leagues, the group of five leagues, I think are going to figure into the equation a little bit. Because when all these decisions are being made, uh, this notion that a lot of fans have that the group of five is going to separate completely and start its own. That is not going to happen. It's not. First of all, uh, way too many home games have got to be played in these SEC and Big Ten cities for their sellout crowds. And you're not going to get enough teams out of the same you know, power structure of yours to come and play that many home games. The presidents want seven home games. As long as that's the case, the money games are always going to be there. There may not be as many. There may be some regulations put on whether it's going to be FCS or do you have to stop it, you know, the, at, at FBS. You know, there, there might be some discussion about that. But I think that the other commissioners, and, and I think Mike Oresco is, is, is going to be a player here because of his knowledge of television. He was a vice president of programming at ESPN when I worked there. He was a vice president of collegiate programming at CBS. When I work there, uh, we're friends. I'll, you know, full disclosure, we're good friends. Uh, I think that with what he's done, what he's accomplished with that league that many people had dead and buried before it actually got on the ground to get teams like UCF and now Cincinnati, uh, that I'm telling you, Mike, that they, they didn't win the game. No, 
but they acquitted themselves nicely. And I think they sent a message to the importance of all college football, regardless of how quote big you think it is at your place versus somewhere else. So the tipping scales for the strength and power of leadership in college football, I think will be, you know, how other commissioners of other leagues you know, are feeling. And right now to me, the American is, is, is next in line and the Sun Belt is making a strong move. Yeah. I mean, that league, I don't need to tell you how good it is. And there might be, you know, I don't know, Coastal Carolina might make a move. They, they might want to make a move. But, but I think they'd be very wise to stay where they are because the Sun Belt has picked up some teams here that make them look really good. Uh, and, and I think that the leadership of those leagues – you know, what direction they go in. Will they be uh, on these issues where their vote might matter? Okay, big, big picture issues. Um, I think they'd be more in touch with Sankey and Bowlesby because they already have relationships with those guys. Okay, Klyavkov came from, you know, a background in gaming. Uh, uh, Warren was more of an NFL guy in Minnesota, but he had the blessing of Mike Slide. Mike Slide uh, was the mentor to uh, Warren. I'm not sure if you knew that, but he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that was one of the reasons he got the job when Delaney left. And keep an eye on this. Jim Delaney, the past commissioner of the Big Ten, is still one of the most powerful people in intercollegiate athletics. He's got the ear of every one of these guys. And I think Jim might have more power not being a commissioner than he would if he was a commissioner, if he were a commissioner. I, I think uh, he can be, in many ways, a guy they can turn to. Uh, and and who wins Jim Delaney's favor moving forward with their ideologies? Um, Jim could be kind of a quiet, unassuming, laid back, you know, out of the out of the picture, but he can be an, a big voice. It's fascinating, and talking with you is always fascinating. It is it is a fun time. Uh, some might say a little bit of a scary time in college athletics, depending on how all these things shake down and get regulated. Uh, but one thing's for sure, it's never boring. I think, I think the college football model now is like the NFL and that it's relevant 12 months out of the year. Like it's right. never just completely dull and dead. It used right. to be, you, you know, as, as doing a daily talk show, you had the season, then you had recruiting, then you had spring football, and the rest of the time you were you were tap dancing if it came to college football talk. I think now yeah. we're getting closer and closer to 12 months out of the year. Yeah, we are. I would just – I know sometimes the fans think that this conversation that you and JC and I are having is, is, uh, is, is for us only, like it's inside baseball or inside mm-hmm. broadcasting. or inside, It's not what they're interested in. They're interested in the games. I just care about my team and my team winning. You know, and, and I understand that um, most podcasts would never touch these issues the way you guys are. Mm-hmm. So I applaud you for that uh, because pod, podcasts in general are about, you know, say something brash, say something wild so right. that you get clicks and you get right, and right. Hot you're takes. not going in that. Yeah. Hot takes. And, and <laughs> I, I applaud you for doing what you're doing. But but if you if you didn't think that college athletics was about big business before Mm -hmm. then you got to know that now and um as i tell my friends that uh have their social security cards like me (laughs) i plan on i plan on being around uh for quite a while i still have a lot of wood to chop 
So I believe some of these things are going to happen in the next three or four or five years. I'm going to be around to see. Some I won't. Like, I don't think I'll be alive when they have a czar. I don't know when that will happen. <laughs> Not sure I will either. Lifetime. Yeah, but, but I do think that uh, I'm going to be around enough to see some of these things become reality. And, uh, and, and I think when they do, it's going to be so great for the future of, uh, of intercollegiate athletics. It's people need to, you know, I'm going to sound like Saban here, but just block out some of this noise that's coming from places where people think they know and don't. There's a lot of people out there that think they know and and really don't. Um, And by and by uh, we're meeting these kids uh, and we're meeting the coaches. We talk to them. We know the issues they face. Um, But I think that we'll work our way through it. We always have. Yeah. Um, and, and but just understand that uh, when we see something that we don't like and we're saying something about it, it's because we love it. Uh, we love the, 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 the industry we're in as much as they love their teams. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I remind people all the time is that, look, the product on the field in terms of the athletes, in terms yeah. of the style yeah. of play, it's never been more entertaining. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean that you don't just you don't sit on your hands and watch everything fall around it in the infrastructure. There's always room right. to improve. That's what every good business does. Yeah. Uh, they continually try to improve and stay ahead of things. I think that's what college athletics certainly needs to do uh, moving forward. Tim, can't thank you enough. Uh, look forward to catching you uh, the rest of the basketball season. Before you know it, uh, you'll be back in the booth calling college football as well. And we hope to have you on before that, uh, that yeah. very start. Anytime, Mike. Congratulations on your nuptials, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yes. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lucky man. Yeah. Yeah. I kicked your coverage just like I did years ago. I did. You know, the joke I made on uh, Twitter, uh, she's a, a Kentucky girl, grew up in, in Frankfurt, whole family, huge Big Blue Nation fans. Right, I, right. I, I, ex- I expanded my SEC footprint, right? So, you know, I'm an SEC alum. I've called games for a different SEC school, and now I married a yet another yeah. SEC uh, person. You, you, uh, yeah. you went all Chris Collinsworth. Didn't Collinsworth marry a cheerleader at Kentucky? I think he did. Is that right? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, he I, used to come when, back when I was doing the SEC, back in the dinosaur era, and I would go into <laughs> Rupp Arena with Larry Conley. Yeah. I think I'd see Chris there with uh, his young bride at the time. Oh, good for yeah. him. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, I, I support I support the uh, nuptials of any Kentucky girl at this point. <laughs> they grow them up right in the Commonwealth for sure. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. Uh, you, can't, you can't go wrong there. And uh, same to you, man, my man. I know how busy you are too, and and I, I look forward to hearing you during baseball season too, because then I'm home. And yeah, as you know, I'm still a college baseball guy too. I, I know. Watching. And it's, it's right around the corner, and and that sport has grown uh, quite a bit as well. Tim, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. All right, Mike. All the best, JC. Hey, thanks, Tim. Thanks again to uh, Tim Brando. Always good stuff from uh, Timmy B. You know, it's um, you talk about a guy who has been there, done that uh, across so many different uh, networks and leagues. I mean, I I still think of of Tim as an SEC guy in a lot of ways. I grew up watching him. Uh, call games on the Jefferson Pilot, Lincoln Financial, whatever they called it at the particular time, then doing CBS studio shows with Lou Holtz. Remember, I mean, he was on with Lou and Lou announced he was going to South Carolina. Um, and and when I was just a, you know, 20 something year old broadcaster making my way, he was always in kind and generous uh, then and uh, continues to be so today. So I really appreciate him joining us again here. He was on Sports Center back in the day. 
Oh Timmy, yeah, no, Timmy he did Bikowski it all. Sports Center. Yeah, he was I mean, the original host of College Game Day. People yes. forget that. Yeah, he was I the mean, original. A, a Timmy Corso. I'm just sitting there thinking about like ever like when I was a kid, Brando was there. I mean, Brando's. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, man, I mean, the, the guys aged pretty well. I mean, because that, that's, yeah. that's that's we're talking 1980s. I, I and, know. Uh, no. He, he doesn't look, that, uh, you know, he's timeless, really. Well, and, and, and his mind's still sharp, and he's he's got, Jeez, again, yeah. as whenever you do what he does, um, and when, I, when I, I'm talking now, not as an announcer, but when he goes on a show, so he doesn't do it a ton. You know, he's not, like, seeking it. Uh, we asked him to come on. He was gracious enough to do it. Uh, we, don't, we don't overdo it. Um, but I think he's one of the, the – we, we've had a series of terrific guests, and we'll keep that up. Uh, and I think he's always one that you want to have on because he has perspective. I, you know, no offense to the 30 year olds you see on TV now talking about this, that, and the other, you don't have credibility and perspective in my eyes because you haven't been around long enough. I mean, we're just handing out, uh, jobs right now in, in network TV to a lot of people that are immediately doing, and this is all networks, uh, immediately doing shows and doing opinions and they're on the radio and they're, but again, if you're a certain age, like, yeah, you can study about history and you can read a Wikipedia page and regurgitate it. But if you weren't around and you, and you haven't covered it, then uh, that's, that's something that's, that's lacking. And again, guys like, you know, Fowler and Herb Street, they have been, they bring credibility to these types of conversations. Tim Brando brings credibility to these kind of uh, conversations. Some other people, when they start talking about it, I just tune out, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's, just, it's just me. I like, I need somebody who's, who's got a little perspective. And obviously uh, he has plenty of that. When you offer opinions, strong opinions, some people are going to hate you for it. And some people are going to love you for it. He's at a stage in his life and career. He doesn't care. Well, that makes the best type of guest of all because you, you don't have a filter anymore. And, and not that he ever did, but really doesn't have a filter now. And he just comes out and gives you his opinion. And I always appreciate his takes. Yeah. I, I like that. He stands up and then I may sound like a hypocrite here, Mike, because I've always talked about the group of five uh, needing their own playoff and things of that nature. And uh, I watched the, uh, part of that clip from the Fiesta Bowl with Joe Burrow and the guy from UCF hitting him and jawing or whatever. And it, it warmed my heart to know that, you know, those defending national champion nights, you know, got rolled yeah, in that right. game by, yeah. by Joe Burrow. And uh, and then Joe Burrow is what he is today. And uh, I think UCF went what? Uh, they were happy to win the uh, Gasparilla Bowl this year. Uh <laughs> And, and so, so, I, I, but but I always appreciate him as a as a as who he is, standing up for those guys. And that's what he was talking about. Uh, you know, when he talks about the playoff, I, when I saw the twelve team deal, I, I thought, well, Brando's going to be happy, you know, because yeah. even a group of five anti group of five, not an anti group, but a, a know your place guy like me, um, you know, I'm so, I'm cool with the fact that uh, that gives them a shot to play their way in and get multiple bids uh, and, and stuff. So I, I thought of him the first when we first started breaking down that the 12 team possibility. And obviously it's going to be a little while, but uh, I still think uh, that format is going to be really good for all uh, of uh, no doubt FBS level football. And, and like I said, I mean, I wasn't a 12 guy and, and quite frank, frankly, I didn't have confidence in some of the people that were, uh, and I, we didn't like, remember now these, these meetings with Sankey and Bowlesby, uh, and the two others, 
Swarbrick and I always uh, Thompson, um, they were held in secret. So we didn't know. So to my knowledge, I have no idea who the heck was trying to come up, but I didn't have confidence in your average person running college football to come up with a good uh, 12-team format. And then I read it, and I was like, they covered every basis. Like, this should make everybody happy. And as Tim mentioned, and I think most people uh, would, would agree with this, a lot of the reason why we're, we're going to sit here and wait another four years, even though it benefits uh, virtually everybody, is because there's a lot of financial things on the line and, and uh, deal, TV deals and everything else. And I, I, like Tim said, some of that sounds like mumbo jumbo. But one thing I've never underestimated more about fans, uh, they do care about this stuff. And, I, and in deference to what Tim said, your average SEC fan knows that the SEC is going to reign supreme regardless of whether it's four, eight, 12 and they, but they still care about the other games. So I don't, I think your average SEC fan is for expanding and, and is not that worried about, well, there's going to be more blowouts. Who cares? Yeah, you would and- like to watch a more entertaining playoff with more SEC teams. Uh, and then hopefully your SEC team wins it at the end. Like you're, you'd still rather have 12 than four. You'd rather have eight than four. So I think, Regardless of what the fan base is, most of them want to see this happen. Yeah, and look, I'm, I'm going to say this. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to lead to more blowouts. I actually think with the way they select the 14 now, Mike, uh, they put it's kind of like the old school, uh, dare I say, BCS mentality where, you know, you look at it and you're like, well, Notre Dame's undefeated. Well, who have they played? Well, they, they've played – these brands and Florida State, Virginia Tech, and then Southern Cal, and they beat them handedly. But you know, never mind; those teams are all like four and eight and five and seven that particular year, and they throw them in there with Clemson, and they get cut. <laughs> I mean, same thing. And it's not—I'm not picking on Notre Dame. They're Cincinnati uh, made the playoff. Alabama in that matchup that said, "Okay, well, we're better than you. We're just going to line up and run the football and win twenty-seven to six. You know, I think that what you do when you expand is you, you're, you're not necessarily – you're letting them play it off, you know. And, and so a two-loss team that may at the end of the year be much better than that undefeated team from a bad conference, you know, it's going to work itself out. And, and I think it's actually going to make for more competitive games. Now, now look, man, look, you've had, you've had all those Alabama-Clemson games and the one in 2018 obviously was not close – uh, LSU and Clemson was not close. Uh, Ohio State and Alabama in 2020 were not close. Was not close. But I can't argue that those weren't the top two teams in the country playing for the national title. I mean, I, I just can't. So you're going to have some blowouts. It's college football, and in many years, the best team is just a lot better than everybody else. Well, yeah, I mean, look, you have but, you have blowouts in March Madness too. Yeah, but people don't remember that. They remember they the buzzer beaters, right? So. If you had a 12-team playoff, and obviously you're, what, tripling your amount of games, are there going to be some blowouts? Yeah, but you're not going to remember that as much as you're going to remember the great game in the second round that went into double overtime. We're not getting that now, with few exceptions. I think we did the math, JC, of the, what, 16 semis. Three of them have been really entertaining, and the other 13 have been, whew, this one's a dog. 
this one's over. Uh, so by, by just by natural math, by having more games, you're going to have more close games. You're never going to eliminate blowouts in any sport. That's not the, that's not the purpose of expanding the playoff, but I'll say this and we hope to have Greg Sankey on in the next week or two. That's going to be the guy that gets the him and Bob Bowles. We like Tim mentioned that the two elder states statesmen, if you will, uh, in terms of directing college athletics, because we, we're not going to have a czar in our lifetime. Um, but but those two guys are going to have to really lead the way on expansion, lead the way on regulation for NIL, lead the way on doing something with this transfer portal, which has turned into free agency, which has turned into teams poaching players from other teams and other coaches. Mm-hmm. Though that is, I don't have confidence in many other people to really get anything done. So they become so instrumental. And let's face it, the guy at the top of the mountain is Greg Sankey. I mean, no one's going to argue with that. Um, He's not, that's not his job, but he's not getting paid extra to do it. But it's kind of like, you know, you remember Superman 2 and you had those three weirdos dressed in all black outfits and they're like destroying the city because Superman was all in love with Lois Lane, took away his superpowers. Just hey, so they, he can, yeah. the fortress of solitude, right? They got out of that prison, this prism thing or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah. so he was stri- So he was like a regular guy like you and me. Meanwhile, you got these three superpower people and they're destroying New York City. Uh, and everybody's like, we're Superman. I, we're, we're, this is going to be the, the end of civilization if we don't get super. That's kind of the way college fans might start looking at Craig Sankey if things start spiraling out of control. Like, we don't have a czar. We don't have anybody with superpowers, but that's as close as we have. I mean, he's the guy, he's basically the reason why we even had college football in 2020. Uh, so that'll be something to keep an, an eye on uh, uh, for sure in the, in the coming years. Uh, one story, and I know we don't have a, a whole lot of time left is going on today. I forgot this even happens. The coaches meet at the sec office. I'm not exactly sure what's discussed there, but anyway, nobody cared about the other 13 coaches. They all want to know what's going to happen with Brian Harson at Auburn. This is a crazy, crazy story. What's your take on what's going down and what do you think is going to happen? Peak Auburn, Mike. It's peak Auburn. I say this all the time. They don't care. They uh, and I think their, you know, approach to it down there has paid off at times, and it's uh, it's caused some drama at times. And usually, usually when there's a lot of drama, good things start to happen for Auburn for some whatever reason. I mean, you think back to 2017 and. Everybody's talking about firing miles on, and then for three weeks, four weeks, they were the best team in the country. And uh, they, Alabama and Georgia, played for the national title that year. They smoked both of those teams. Uh, and then unfortunately, good old Auburn goes and uh, has some injuries before the championship game. Georgia beats them and moves on. And uh, then they lost to the, the national champion UCF Knights <laughs> later that year. Uh, you know, you, you, you just, it, it's a roller coaster, but. You know, a lot of times, I mean, you know, think about this. Uh, Gene Chizik goes 0-8 and, and looks bad doing it and gets fired in 2012. Malzahn comes in in 2013. Next thing you know, they're in the Rose Bowl playing for the national title. I mean, it's just craziness. Um, and it's it's one of those things. This is a little bit weirder than, 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 than maybe before because, look, man, they, they made – 
you know, for everybody that sat there and, and trashed the, let's say the Shane Beamer hire or was skeptical about the Josh Heupel hire uh, or whatever and gushed over the Brian Harson hire, you were all completely wrong because yes, Harson's won. Yeah. But, but, but who he is, we are finding out quickly is, is, is a person that's not a fit in the sec whatsoever. Um, and, and we found that out early. Uh, and then you look and you see coaches that don't want to coach with them. You see uh, guys coming in and leaving after six weeks. You see Derek Mason taking a $400,000 pay cut to go coordinate defense in the big 12. I mean, that's, that says a lot about who you are, who you're working with, I, you know, the players and I, and I respect players and they should always have a voice, but uh, man, these days you hear a lot of, Oh, coach treat us like crap. Uh, you know, from a lot, from a lot of players and, you know, for every player that says that you have a player that loves the guy. Uh, and that's just kind of how it is when things are not going well. Um, so, you know, he showed up at the SEC coaches meeting today. Uh, there were about, you know, it's, it's the state of Alabama too. So anything that goes on with Alabama and Auburn football, there's going to be a lot of media there. Uh, he had no comment and he, uh, he ended up walking out. Now I continue to hear that a change is what I would call likely. Um, I think a big question is who are they if they do get rid of Harson? Which I think at this point you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube, man. Um, who do they hire? And 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 that's something that maybe next episode we can get into because maybe there'll be some sort of resolution on this. I, I can't help but think if Auburn went ten and two this year. <laughs> and I mean, are are we really going through all this? This is the byproduct of because because I remember I was on the front line saying, why is Brian Harson being celebrated as a hire? It wasn't the first choice. It wasn't the second choice. It wasn't the like he's from Boise, say, but but but, you know, like I always do on this podcast, you know, I can do the impersonation of somebody who thinks it's the brilliant hire and I can do the impersonation of somebody who will tell you all the reasons why it's not a good hire. Um, but, but everybody was kind of jumping on that. This is a great hire bandwagon. Like you mentioned, and then, and then you had a lot of people mocking the hire of Shane Beamer. Well, <laughs> uh, guess what? <laughs> that advantage Beamer after year one. Um, but I can't help but think so much of this, is about that. It's just, it's a really disappointing year one. Um, I, I'll just say one other thing that, that I, when I woke up the, the, the other morning and I see the picture of the, you know, the, the, the female from Boise state who gets a job, your average fan doesn't care and doesn't want to know the personal life of head coaches. Okay. I don't know what happened there and I don't care. I hope, I really hope because this has happened at other schools. I hope we don't get into a trend where because the buyout clauses are exorbitant for, for SEC coaches in particular or prominent program coaches in particular, the only way you avoid paying that is to get dirt on a guy and then fire him with cause. That's some dirty pool. I, that I don't think is right anywhere. And I don't know if that's I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I'm just saying outside of Auburn in general, that's not right. It, it, it's just, it's just not, uh, it, you, you sign the contract, you give a, a larger, uh, buyout clause than perhaps you need to, but then you got to pay the piper when you fire somebody. 
I, I don't think I don't think you just start hiring people to dig dirt on a guy, and now we can say, well, we don't have to pay that twenty million dollars or whatever it is because we've got compromising uh, photographs or a compromising situation. Yeah, that's yeah, you know, it's a tough one for me because if you can't prove it, you know. And it came from fans. Like I said last week, I think it's a loserville situation. It's, it's, yeah. It ticks me off. But, you know, if you can, then that that's even worse. And, and you know, you, he'll never coach again. And, and, and you're right about that. So I, that's an unfortunate part of it for me. If it's not true, if it is, shoot, fire him. But there, there's always a gray area. Mike, how do you prove something like that? Is there videotape? I mean, what, what do you do? So that's my thing. Yeah, uh, uh, that's uh, that just seems like the the, the dirty side of that. Like yeah. if your job is to all right, see how much dirt you can get on them, so we can get a discount on the buyout. Um, I, I, I that that seems to be a trend in college athletics right now. That ain't real good. Uh, one final thing before we sign off because we didn't get to this last week because it hadn't happened yet. At least I don't think it had. Uh, Jim Harbaugh staying at Michigan. There are a lot of people that reported that one incorrectly. <laughs> There's a lot of people that basically thought he was long gone. It was just a formality. He was going to take the Vikings job and so on and so forth. Well, he's coming back, and I think it's still good for college football. I still think it's good for Michigan, but, uh, but that, was a, that was a curve. There was two curveballs in that story under Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I mean, he was gone, and I read the, the Athletic had actually a really good behind the scenes. Apparently, the Vikings just said, "Yeah, yeah, we're going to pass." <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's that. I kind of feel bad for Harbaugh because I, 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 after taking a pay cut last year, and a lot of people don't like him for whatever reason. I don't really know what the guy's done that bad. Um, he brought Michigan to the college football playoff in seven years. I thought it would be more like two, but uh, he was almost there in year three. Uh, but he got him there, you know, after after the pay cut and all that. You know, I think I think the plan in his heart was like, let's ride back back to the NFL, let's see if we can get a Super Bowl. And uh, and I've done I've done it's a great career, you know. Yeah. Because uh, he is a really good NFL coach. He's one of the few guys that can do it on both levels. And. I think it was just like the Vikings, you know, for whatever reason, we're just like, eh, you know, probably not. Let's, uh, let, they went with the young offensive wonderkind uh, coach. Like a lot of, I mean, every almost every franchise did that this year. But, I mean, then you look at, you know, the Super Bowl, who's in the Super Bowl, same guys, you know. And pretty soon we're going to have a league full of dudes like that. And then all of a sudden – you know, some old school people are, are going to start cycling back in, uh, I think, because I don't know that that's always the answer. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Michigan, Josh Gaddis left. Uh, I never really have bought into the Josh Gaddis hype. If you're a Miami fan, I hope he is the first one in a long time to really do well on offense down there. Uh, hmm. You know, if he can get what Rhett Lashley did uh, out of them, I'm, I think that's good. But I've never been a Gaddis guy. Uh I, I liked him when he was at Vanderbilt and Penn State as an assistant, but I've I've always kind of wondered what the big deal was with his offense. I mean, I, I've never I've always kind of thought Harbaugh's probably got his hand in that or whatever. Um, so he lost Gaddis, and I think he, he hired somebody to replace him or whatever. But I think both coordinators actually left. Um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of what what happens to Michigan going forward because th- this was a really nice year. They finally won the big game. 
uh, they recruit kind of like they always recruit, and uh, there's still that uh, that scarlet and gray team uh, to the south, <laughs> uh, and and then Penn State, Michigan State, and everybody else. So uh, I think that's a fascinating thing to track because. I think all of the football world, it was it was actually reported that that he was going to the Vikings and Michigan was going to kick into a coaching search. And Matt Rule was supposed to become Matt Campbell. You know, you, you hear those, heard those names. You know, P.J. Fleck, uh, you heard those names pop up. But uh, pants are back in Ann Arbor. And it's going to be seen, interesting to be seen, like how long this marriage really is going to last. Uh you know, it's almost like I don't know. Yeah, I won't well, use almost, that. I won't use that analogy out of respect for Brian Harson. <laughs> but you know, I, I uh, that that's kind of my thought there. there. There's a there's there's a little bit of uh, Richard Gear and an officer and a gentleman. I got nowhere else to go. Like I don't think the NFL is calling back necessarily for Jim Harbaugh. And I I would be willing to bet in that interview. Part of the reason why he didn't get the job, he's not going to budge on anything. Like he's going to demand things the way he wants it and that's just that's Jim Harbaugh to a T I don't I don't think he's uh he's gonna say oh well yeah okay fine you, you yeah you tell me who my coordinator should be and you have complete control of the draft uh, Jim is Jim but I, th- I think he's good for college football I'm kind of glad it worked out the way he did uh and I again as I said this before I have no dog in the fight but I think college football is better when programs like Michigan Southern Cal Texas when they're relevant and and I think they need Jim Harbaugh to uh to stay relevant otherwise you're taking a crapshoot on another coaching hire uh our thanks again to Tim Brando for joining us once again and our thanks again for you all tuning in to another installment of JC and Morgan we'll be back with you next week and we'll continue the guest parade uh throughout this offseason as well for JC Mike so long for now talk to you soon